This is the Word of God found in John chapter 20. Reading verses 1 through 16. John chapter 20, starting with verse 1, reading through verse 16. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. My message to you this afternoon is for the child of God in Jesus Christ. Reality is always better than your perceived circumstance. Mm. Yeah. And I want to get to that, but that's the message. <laughs> Reality for the child of God is always better than the situation that a child of God thinks they are in. But let me go to this, and I want to speak particularly, well, every message of real preaching. It's about Jesus Christ. But let me approach it through a particular individual, and that's Mary Magdalene. Last night I tried to speak on Manasseh, and especially that last verse of hymn number 355 in these hymnals. That sacred flood from Jesus' veins was free to take away a Mary or Manasseh stains or sins more vile than they. The Manasseh, speaking of in that spoken of in that hymn 
is Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, the king over Judah for 55 years. And tried to speak about him last night. This Mary in the hymn is the Mary that we just read about in John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene. Now, you kind of have to be a little careful to keep folks with the same name straight in the Bible. For example, you know, there's John the Baptist is different from John the Apostle. John the Apostle is the one writing this, this uh, gospel here, the book of John. By the time he wrote that, John the Baptist was dead. He had been put to death by Herod. It's different Johns. There are two James that were among the twelve disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. James the brother of John, sons of Zebedee, and James the son of Alphaeus. So there were two James. And then there was a third James that was the half-brother of Jesus Christ that wrote the book of James. So you have to keep straight. Two of the apostles were James, and the one James that wrote the book was not an apostle. He was the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ's mother was Mary, and his father was God. With James, his brother, his mother was Mary, and his father was Joseph. So you have that situation. Now with Mary, you had Mary, the wife of Joseph, the mother of Jesus Christ. You could call her Mary of Nazareth if you wanted to. That's where she was when she met Joseph and got engaged. There was Mary of Bethany. She was the sister of Martha and Lazarus, and she's the one that washed the Lord's feet with the precious ointment and wiped it with her hair. This is a different Mary. This is Mary... Magdalene. There was a town in Israel called Magdala. And so if you were from that town, Magdala, you were a Magdalene. And that's where she was from. And what the Scripture tells us about her is that the Lord Jesus Christ cast seven devils from her. Now, as I mentioned last night, I don't know where everybody gets the idea that she was a prostitute. The Bible doesn't say that. That may have been included among her seven devils. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But there's no need to add things to the Bible. In fact, there's a positive harm in adding or taking away from the Bible. Let's just take the Bible of what it said. This poor woman had been grievously afflicted. One devil enough causes enough destruction in a person's life. Mary was contending with seven until her Savior the Lord Jesus Christ set her free, cast those from her so that she had a peace and a freedom and an ease that she had not known until she experienced that miracle at the hands of her Savior. So this is Mary Magdalene. And the Scripture records her as the first human being to see the Lord Jesus Christ after He was resurrected. And we've just read the incident where she saw him. That sacred flood from Jesus' veins was free to take away a Mary or Manasseh stains or sins more vile than they. Jesus Christ's blood that he had shed on the third day before this had taken away all the stains from Mary. And she was still alive It had taken away all the stains of Manasseh. That's about six or seven hundred years before. 
Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus Christ still takes away sins and stains in 2022? Isn't it a great thing to celebrate the hope that Jesus Christ has taken away my stains? And He did it with His own blood. He did it laying His own life down. And while I bled and groaned and died, the hymn says, I ruined Satan's throne. The verse before that says, While hell and all its spiteful hordes stood dreadful in my way to rescue those dear lives of yours, I gave my own away. That's what Jesus Christ did for Mary. That's what He did for Manasseh. My great hope Firm belief. That's what He did for me. Child of God, that's what He did for you. When hell and all its spiteful hordes stood dreadful in His way to rescue those dear lives of yours, He gave His own away. So His life He laid down on the third day before this. Now this was the third day after He had said, It is finished. When he said it is finished, the work of redemption was indeed finished. That great unspeakable suffering was complete. The souls and the destiny of all God's children had been purchased. At that point, instead of just saying, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He once again addressed God as Father. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He committed His Spirit into the hands of His Father, and He, as He said He would, He laid down His life. The Sabbath was drawing on fast. I think, from my study of Scripture, the Sabbath that was coming was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in which no servile work could be done, according to Leviticus 23. And so there was a Sabbath there, and then there was another Sabbath that was the end of the week. And then on the third day, it was dawn, and Mary was headed to the tomb to finish the work of embalming. You know, Joseph of Arimathea had lent his tomb. Nicodemus had come with a hundred pound weight of spices. They had done the initial preparation of the body and wrapped his body in linen and laid it in that grave donated by Joseph of Arimathea. But the embalmment was not complete and the women knew about it and they wanted to finish the job. But there was a Sabbath right after they laid him in the grave. There was a Sabbath after that. Now, here's the first day they can do something about it. It's the first day of the week. If their calendar were the same as ours, we'd call that Sunday. That's why we designate to meet on Sunday, the day that the Lord had risen. That's when the disciples gathered. And so here it is, it's the first day of the week. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early. When it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. This caught her by surprise. The other Gospels tell us that as the women came to the grave there, they were worried about that stone. They wanted to do the job. It's the first day they could do the job. They didn't know who was going to roll that heavy stone away from them. Probably going to be hard to convince the guards that were there to do the job. They didn't feel like they were up to the job. They were concerned about that. But when they got there, they saw something marvelous. The stone was rolled away. I think it's the Gospel of Matthew that tells us a great angel had descended from heaven and had rolled the stone away, not necessarily to let the Lord out, but to let other folks in to see that it was empty. He had rolled the stone away and sat on it. You talk about victory. He rolled the stone away and he sat on it and the keepers of the guard there 
became as dead men. They were so scared. They were laying down. So they got there. She got there. You know, just because it describes that she was there doesn't mean the other women weren't. You know, some gospel says there was one angel. Some gospel says there were two angels. Do you know, if there were two angels there, there was indeed one angel there. (laughs) It's like if Sandy and I went to this meeting, somebody could ask you, uh, was Brother Marty at that meeting? Well, yes, he was. Somebody else could ask somebody who was there. Well, Brother Marty and Sister Sandy. Well, if you, they just told me Brother Marty. Well, both of them were true. Somebody just left out the prettier of the two. <laughs> They're both true. All these gospel accounts are true. Amen. And so, and they harmonize. So they see. She sees the stone rolled away. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. If you wonder who that was was John. John who wrote this. We, we don't find that out to the end of John when he mentions that disciple whom Jesus loved and, and speaking about him. And then at the end of the gospel it says, this is that, this is that disciple who wrote these writings. And if uh, all that Jesus did had been written down, even the world itself should not have contained the books that would be written. So this is John and Peter. They're running. John's a faster runner than Peter. So John gets there first, but he stops short of just going right into that grave. Peter comes, and in very much Peter fashion, you know, he was afraid to confess the Lord Jesus on the third day before this. Now he goes right into the grave and goes in and sees it empty. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. So they both, so they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and seeth the linen clothes lie and the napkin that was about his head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself. This was not a grave robbery. If it had been grave robbers, those guys would have been as fast as they could. Take everything. Napkin, linen clothes. They would have just been in and out. This was not a matter of a grave robber who would have torn up the napkin, torn up the clothes, see if there's any jewelry, see if anything that was... No, this was an orderly thing. This was a napkin taken, wrapped by itself, lying there. The linen clothes there. This was, this was a matter of order and purpose. This was a statement something was finished. The time in the tomb was over. The Lord had laid it that way. For as yet, well, see, then it says, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped, by its, wrapped together in a place by itself, then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and he believed. Do you know what John believed at that point? That the body was stolen. That's what they believed. They didn't believe that the Lord had risen from the dead at this point. They believed what Mary had told them. The tomb is open and somebody has taken his body and they went in and took a look And they didn't see the purpose and the order of the clothes. They just saw the fact he was gone. And they believed what they had heard from Mary's report. They believed that somebody had taken his body. 
For as yet they knew not the Scripture that He must rise again from the dead. That verse itself explains what they believed. They didn't believe He was written, for they knew not the Scripture. Not only did they know not the Scripture, they didn't even think about what the Lord Jesus Christ had told them not long ago. He said, we go up to Jerusalem, and there shall the Son of Man be taken by the chief priests and scribes, and they shall mock him and bring him before the Gentiles who shall crucify him, and he shall rise again the third day. Somehow they forgot that. They were kind of like Manasseh, which means forgetful. So they came in and they believed what Mary had reported. The body was stolen, for as yet they knew not the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. So that was a sad departure. They went away thinking, now not only is he dead, but his very grave has been has been uh, just uh, mistreated. It's been despised. And that's what Mary believed to. Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the, the sepulchre and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Can you imagine the disappointment of Peter and John and Mary at this point? Can you imagine Peter and John had followed him about three and a half years? They'd seen him calm the winds and the waves. They'd seen him heal the blind. They'd seen him cleanse the lepers. They'd seen him cleanse unclean spirits. Mary herself had experienced that. Peter had walked on water. All of those things, thinking, what a great hope. God has fulfilled His promise. We've got the Messiah with us. Freedom is it's on its way. Victory's on its way. Our lives have purpose. Our lives have endurance in God. Our lives have light. Our lives have joy. He's rebuked us a lot. We needed it. He's encouraged us a lot. We wanted it. What a great thing. And now, he's dead. And his grave has been abused. And Mary had been showing up to do what she thought maybe was the last thing she could do for the one that loved her. For the one whom she loved because he loved her. For the one that had set her free from seven devils. For the one that had given her a peace that she hadn't experienced before. She was there to do what she thought maybe was the very last thing she could do. Finish embalming his body. So this body would be taken care of respectfully. And not in a way of mockery. uh, That he would receive a decent burial. And she was there to do that. And now not only was he dead. He was gone. And his body was gone. She couldn't do that. Can you imagine the depth of that disappointment? Can you put yourself in Mary Magdalene's shoes? Of that hope that seems so dashed. Of that desire to do one last service that didn't come to pass. Of the opportunity she may have felt that she missed, but she was trying to do her best to obey God and keep the Sabbath and yet show up on the first day of the week and do what she could. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. You may have heard other people preach this recently, but it still seems wonderful to me. 
Do y'all remember the structure of the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant had very definite dimensions given in Exodus, I think it's chapter 25. How many cubits it would be long? How many cubits wide? How many cubits deep? Made out of a special kind of wood. Inlaid and overlaid with gold. Completely surrounded with gold. With rings for carrying it with wooden staves coated with gold. And over that Ark of the Covenant was a mercy seat. Had the same length as the Ark. Had the same width as the Ark. It did not specify the depth or the height of the mercy seat. And to me that seems real appropriate. You know why? Because God's mercy endureth forever. <laughs> there's no limit. There's no given depth uh, that we can say that's the end of God's mercy. His mercy endureth forever. And on that mercy seat there were two cherubims. And they were on one end and on the other. And they faced each other and they extended their wings toward each other And so their faces were toward each other looking down at the mercy seat. And that mercy seat is rich with symbolism. You know, that was where the glory of God would appear from time to time to Israel. And to me, I think it's just wonderful that the glory of God was based on His mercy. The glory appeared above the mercy seat. And His mercy was based on His covenant. The mercy seat was over the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant contained the law, the tablets of the Ten Commandments which were kept by God Himself by Jesus Christ as part of the covenant and it kept a golden pot of the manna which had fallen from the sky because Jesus Christ is the bread of life and it kept Aaron's rod which budded because Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Just on and on and on with this Ark of the Covenant and here is on top of the Ark is the mercy seat and a cherubim on this side cherubim on that side and they're looking toward each other but what is Mary looking at? When she looks down in that sepulcher she sees that slab there where the body of Jesus Christ lay and an angel on one side and an angel on the other both looking at where he had lain. She was looking at the fulfillment of the mercy seat. Amen. What a few. Mm-hmm. But did but I don't think she knew. <laughs> she had a glorious view. Oh, once I had a glorious view. But I don't think yet she knew. So she's looking at the very fulfillment of the mercy seat. And see if two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have lain, where they have laid him. She was honest about her disappointment. She wanted to do this last service. She wanted to see the body of her Lord one time, no matter what condition it was in, so she could finish that service to him. And there were these two beings there asking her. She was just honest. They've taken her away. She still believed that. It wasn't true, but it was what she believed. And so she told them. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. This is not the only time the Lord appeared after His resurrection and withheld His recognition from those that loved Him. He did it with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus later. He's doing it unto Mary now. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Now, Think of this situation. 
behind Mary is the fulfillment of the mercy seat back down in the sepulcher. In front of Mary is the Lord Himself, the one who has purchased that mercy and kept that covenant on her behalf. So behind her is this wonderful vision of angels portraying the mercy seat. Before her is her Savior. She's surrounded by glory and glory. And she's sad. Do you know that Jesus Christ by grace lives in you? The hope of glory? That's right. Do you know by grace what your destiny is? It's glory. There's glory within you. There's glory to come. And you and I, like Mary, stand in between glory and glory. Sometimes weeping. Sometimes worrying. Sometimes sad. Sometimes disappointed with others. Sometimes disappointed with ourselves. Sometimes thinking of lost opportunities. Sometimes thinking of broken friendships. Sometimes thinking of the grief of those that we said goodbye to. Sometimes thinking of our sins that we've committed. Sometimes thinking of how we're going to take care of matters that are arising before us. All of that. But we, like Mary, are standing between glory and glory. And she's sad. But you know, even in her sadness, she's not willing to give up. Not like this, because the body's not there in the tomb. She's told the angels, and it doesn't sound like they've told her anything more. Now she's talking to the Lord Himself, and she doesn't know that it's Him. In verse 15, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus Christ knew she was seeking. That's why he asked the question, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? So even in her despair here, she's not giving up yet. She's still looking and she's willing to ask folks, and here's somebody near, maybe he has taken the body away. Maybe he has borne him away. So she asked him, Sir, you know, if, uh, uh, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. I'm still willing to do this. I'm still willing to try. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. And there was the moment of revelation. He spoke her name. You ever read in the book of Revelation that God will give to His children a name that only He and they know? There's a special relationship. There's a special... You want to talk about what your identity is. You're His child. You're His property. He's your Father. He knows His sheep and is known of them. He keeps His sheep with an everlasting love. The Father holds the sheep in His hand and no man is able to pluck God's sheep out of the Father's hand. And when He says Mary, 
She's still seeking for Jesus. And that's the message that I want to give you. Is no matter how sad you get, no matter how dim your hope seems, no matter what kind of condition you get, I want you to keep seeking for Jesus Christ. I want me to keep seeking for Jesus Christ, willing to do that service, even if we have to ask, what can I do to go serve my Lord that Mary hasn't given up yet? She's way down. She's way sad. But what she doesn't realize is even in her sadness and her seeking, the glory of the mercy seat is behind her and the Lord Himself is before her. The reality that she is in is infinitely better than the circumstance she perceives. And that's the same situation you're in. You may not be at this moment in your life as sad as Mary was. You might be. I don't know what's going on with you, but God does. He does. You might be in a place of heartbrokenness or disappointment. I don't know, but God knows. But I do know this. For those of you that know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the Scripture tells us this truth in 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. How many of you can confess? I don't know about my circumstance. I don't know about my situation or anything. But this I know. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. Amen. If that's your confession, the reason it's your confession is because God Himself dwells in you. He dwells in you. And you have been chosen in Him to one day dwell in His presence. God in you. You in God. Your reality is better than the best perception you have of your circumstance. Now, do you and I need to improve our circumstance? Yes, if we can. There's things I need to do to repent. There's more studying I need to do. There's more praying I need to do. There's more forgiving I need to do. There's more work I need to do. I realize that. But I know this truth is that whatever I perceive my situation and the things I need to improve about my day-to-day life, I know this reality is better than my concept of it. And that's the situation for you, child of God. And so when the Lord said, Mary, Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself. There's kind of a repentance, isn't it? Repentance from incorrect perception. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. I hope that as we see how much better things really are than we think they are, that that will be our response to Jesus Christ, Master. Or as Thomas said, my Lord and my God. That's a wonderful thing to be able to perceive. If you're going through a period of sadness, hang on. Keep searching. Keep searching for Him. Keep calling out. There's mercy behind and glory before. Isn't that what David said in the 23rd Psalm? Surely goodness and mercy shall what? 
follow me all the days of my life. That's what's behind. And I will, this is what's before, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful thing to think about dwelling in the house of the Lord with the One who paid for our sins and loves us with that everlasting love, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May God bless you.